The Adventure of Holiness is a sacramental adventure. It is a quest where we are transformed more and more into Christ-likeness and our lives are reorganized so that we can live as God intended for us to. And today we're going to be looking at Abraham and Sarah. And although Abraham and Sarah are charged with being instruments set apart for God's blessing, the road to righteousness is not an easy one for them. It takes a lifetime for the parents of Israel to mold their character, and the two end up in a strange situation where they forsake their servant, Hagar, who finds herself an enduring servant who has endured a suffering which is too great for her to bear. But Hagar is not truly alone, for Hagar is in the presence of God's covenant. And she finds herself being transformed and given life even though she doesn't know how to ask for it. And when we look at ourselves in the modern day, as people enter into the church, they should find an institution set apart from the world that can present God's transforming grace before them. And even when they do not know how to ask for it, the church should be a place where people are encountering God's grace. We must recognize that having salvation through Christ Jesus is not a cheap thing. A life justified through Christ should continue to grow and mold the character of the individual into Christ-likeness. The church must exist so that people can be liberated from the disorderly grip of sin that separates their soul from God. Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and with me here in the studio is... Pastor Anthony Alegria. And today, as we come to, to Genesis chapter 21, this is really the second sermon in a series that's going to be called The Adventure of Holiness. Next week, we're going to be picking up in the Gospel of Matthew, and that's where things are really going to begin. So this first two messages we've had here in Genesis 18 and now 21, they're kind of an in-between from our last study on Genesis, and we'll be picking up in Matthew and looking at what it means to be on the adventure of holiness in the church. But for now, let's go to Genesis chapter 21 and let's find out what is going on with Abraham and Sarah. So we're going to begin in chapter 21 verse 1 of Genesis and it reads as follows. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had done. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. Verse 7, And she said, Who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. All right, let's pause for a moment before we pick up in verse 8. Abraham and Sarah, they were two people who were kind of worthless by the metrics of the world, and they're at this moment in time where they're given family. And we have to realize that throughout the history of the people of God, there has always been an emphasis on family. In fact, the church, it is structured around family life. You get names like brothers, sisters. It's to be like a family. All the way to the earliest stages of humanity, God calls mankind to live in family units. A lot of times people want to reduce this down to community. The word community, again, it's not specific enough. It is family life. And see, one of the problems that's going to happen with Abraham and Sarah in this text is that they don't really know how to desire a family. There's this moment of joy in this good moment where Isaac is born and Abraham and Sarah, they're happy. Again, you get the whole idea of laughter. It's even associated with the name. It's very important, this laughter. But there is still something that is awry. Let's pick up in verse 8. The child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. And she said to Abraham, 
Cast out the slave woman with her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever says to you, do as she tells you. For it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham arose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and watered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Picking up in verse 15. When the water and the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot. And she said, Do not let me look upon the death of the child. And as she sat opposite of him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. Let's just think about this for a moment. For quite a while now, I've, I've described that when you look at humanity, there's the state of the fall, and you can wrap up the story of humanity's fall as the servant who has confused their role with that of the master. Now, that's quite apparent in this story. As we find Hagar, she is the slave girl. She is a servant to Abraham and Sarah. She's their, their slave. And they, being masters, they have forgot their position in the universe. They forgot their, their place in the hierarchy of creation. God is the ultimate master. He's the master of creation, and mankind was given dominion. But we are also to be in the image of God and reflect God. God, the ultimate master, he never forsakes his servants. He doesn't leave them in such a, a place of dereliction. But Abraham and Sarah, they have forgot to model after God. They have forgotten what it means to be the masters. And again, they are masters of things. We are masters here on this earth, but yet we are to be modeled after God, who is our master. While we do sit as perhaps kings and queens on earth, we are not at the top of the hierarchy. There is a higher king above us, the high king of heaven. And here we find Hagar. Again, the great suffering that happens is a suffering too great for her to bear. Oftentimes you may hear me say that the story of humanity's redemption, which is ultimately fulfilled through Christ Jesus, is that the master comes to bring new life to a suffering servant who has endured something too great to bear. And that is where we find Hagar. Let's pick back up here where we find the weeping Hagar. Reading in verse 16 again. Then she went and sat down opposite of him a good way off about the distance of a bowshot. For she said, Do not let me look on the death of the child. And she sat off opposite of him, and she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of the Lord called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. And then God opened her eyes and saw, oh, she saw a well of water. She went and she filled the skin with water and gave it to the boy to drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bull. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Okay, so this is a, a sermon series where we're looking at the adventure of holiness. Abraham and Sarah, they're called to get up from their homeland, go out, and be the parents of a great nation. Now, it seems a bit ridiculous and also enormous for them. They're of an elderly age. They're not really at the time where people conceive children. And this task, it is too large to ever conceive rational. But yet, they are challenged to do this. 
And thankfully, it is not their righteousness, but the righteousness of God who will be the one to bless this nation. Because Abraham and Sarah, they're not easily transformed. The pathway of righteousness, this adventure, this quest for the holiness of God, it demands endurance because the fallen state of humanity is so rigidly bent towards sin that it's not easily dealt with. And when we look to Abraham and Sarah, we can clearly see that God is calling them to be righteous, yet they do not answer this call as well as they perhaps should. Because to live righteously it does require a total transformation of the soul with the entire way of thinking being reformed in the manner that it was originally intended for humanity. This couple, they are slow to understand righteous living. The fallen state of humanity has caused a deep fracture in their thinking, and it has come to the point where they cannot even desire family correctly. Again, the kingdom of God is oriented around family. The most viable form of society is the nuclear family unit. God calls us to be in families and to care for our families. But yet, Abraham and Sarah, they have an issue even desiring a family. Hence, that's where Hagar came into the picture altogether. Abraham and Sarah, they didn't think that it was so serious that God could give them a child through, well, those two together. And so Hagar was brought in so that Abraham could have a son through another means. Nowhere in Scripture does God command Abraham to go out and find Hagar or a concubine or a servant slave girl for this purposes, but they did it anyway. And they couldn't really desire family like they thought that they might. And that's something which is an interesting side of sin because so many times sin is not just about breaking a law of God in sort of the judicial sense, but it is a disorderly system of living. It's a bad mode of thinking where you can't even desire the things that you think you desire correctly. Sin causes people to not know how to live properly in the world. Abraham and Sarah did not really know what it meant to desire a family. They didn't know what it meant to be a family, and so they brought in Hagar. Again, nowhere in the story of Abraham and Sarah do we see God command Abraham to find another wife. Nonetheless, Hagar is brought into their family. Abraham and Sarah, they then have a issue, an, an issue with loving and desiring the wrong thing. The sin nature has misshapen their minds to the point that they cannot even desire family life correctly. They desire a corrupted version of the family where they're not really having children, but they have kind of brought in an, another wife, and that's not what God intended for creation. They desired a corrupted version of life, and it was not ever fulfilling. And what is interesting is they don't even have loyalty to their own desire. Once Isaac was born to them, they immediately turned against Hagar and Ishmael. And that is so tragic. It's, it's so tragic that you see here this, this call to be servants here on this earth as we are under God and his servants, but to also at the same time wear real responsibilities. And while we serve God, we are supposed to have a meaningful impact in bringing the order of the earth. It's an interesting thing. Humanity is given dominion, but yet we are still in the service of one greater than ourselves. It's an interesting place to be, and it has a lot of responsibility. And Sarah, she was the master of this servant, but yet she was not a good master. Sarah desired a corrupt relationship with their servant, and she had a warped view of how a master should treat those in their care. Instead of caring for her slave, she finds herself casting her out out of resent and jealousy. And that is very unfortunate. Anthony? Something interesting that you, you can see here is that, um, you know, part of it of the issue is that Sarah doesn't want Ishmael to cash in on Isaac's inheritance, yeah. inheritance also, which is rightfully also Ishmael's. But, um, and from one perspective, you could say, well, she met that goal. She did, 
she was able to successfully deny Ishmael that inheritance. But in, you know, another sense, you can also see that, you know, the presence of God follows him and he's to be made into a great nation also. And so in many ways, the promise that God gave to Abraham's descendants is not denied to Ishmael. And he gets uh, at least that part of his inheritance. Yeah, one of the things which is fascinating is whenever we look at God, God wants us to have joy. And God, God is is pleased when we have joy when we're doing righteous things. And a good master, and here in the modern world, people have, they don't understand a, a proper master and servant relationship. Um, they don't understand that that sometimes people have authority and responsibility and they can do that and care for people in their, their care. Um, everything's kind of corrupted by the darker side of that because so many times when human institutions are responsible for for hierarchies and things, they oftentimes do turn into manifestations of evil and wickedness where people are reduced to nothing but but slaves and tragic and evil happenstance occurs. But there are times where where God is the master and we are the servant and he blesses us. There are times where people are, are working for someone else when they're in their service and they're in their care and they're blessed by the person who is their their leader. Sarah, she is supposed to be the leader of this girl, Hagar. She's supposed to be doing something positive for her. But again, she's reduced her down to a, a slave, which is not treated as someone who is who is loved. And it is very unfortunate because what you see here is there's a child that is born, Ishmael. And instead of rejoicing in her, her servant's child, she is now jealous and really spiteful towards it. She can't stand to see it having joy with her own son. And she can't stand the thought of it inheriting anything. So she gives away to her desire and resent to have it sent away, and she does just that. And considering all of this, it would be easy for us to lose hope in Abraham and Sarah. However, we must hold fast to the truth that it is not by the power of Abraham and Sarah that God is working, but it is by God's own power that God is working. The righteousness of Israel will not be determined by this couple, but by the righteousness of God. The holiness of God has real effects that transcend both heaven and earth, and this happens in inexplicable ways. God is going to work in Hagar and Ishmael even though he did not command Abraham to take Hagar as a wife. God is going to make the best of this very difficult situation, and God is a very generous master, and he works to give order to the most disorganized of situations. Again, sin, it comes and it corrupts so many things. Again. For someone like Hagar, she probably doesn't have a lot of say in things in life, and that's very unfortunate. She's not really treated as something with free will. And for someone like Abraham and Sarah, these people called by God, they had a great opportunity to bless her, to to treat her as an agent of free will, but yet they've reduced her down to something which is more expendable. And it's very, very unfortunate that this has happened because it's, it's very well sinful on the behalf of Abraham and Sarah to desire to do this, but yet God is going to make the best in this difficult situation. Abraham and Sarah have made a mess of family life, but God is going to be a generous master and bless Hagar. As opposed to Sarah, who is not quite so generous, God is the generous master. He is the master of creation who wants to see his servants do well, even when those servants are unfaithful. And as I've stated before, the story of humanity's fall is the story of a servant who has confused their role with that of their master. But by the grace of God, the story of humanity's hope is one where the master of creation gives new life to the unworthy servant who has endured a suffering too great to bear. In the story of Hagar, we see both of these tragic stories. We see Abraham and Sarah, the, who is the master of Hagar, who has forgotten, again, Sarah, she's forgotten her place in God's creation, and she does not act as a righteous master reflecting the image of God. 
And on the other side, we do see the tragic story of redemption. And I say it's tragic because when we look at the cost that comes with salvation, it's not a cheap thing. I, I say this because I want to emphasize that the salvation that comes, comes at a great cost. It ultimately would cost the begotten Son of God to shed blood and die on a cross. And the grace of God comes at a great expense, and it often comes in moments of great sorrow. The grace of God in this moment, it brings hope to Hagar, who is unable to bear the sight of her dying child. God has come to this broken servant and grants new life to her and her child. Hagar is broken by sin. And this is not just a mere legalistic manner of breaking sin. A lot of times we reduce sin to, well, you've broke these laws of God and you have to do something to simply atone for that and that's kind of the, the end of things. We reduce sin down to a simple monolithic personal related thing where it's kind of contained within the person of an individual believer. It's not something which actually has real effects on the world that is part of a disorganized and disorderly world. Well, the fact is that since the fall of humanity into sin, human lives have been disordered, and that affects all of creation. Sin is more than just a personal act against the law of God. Sure, it is a personal act against the law of God, but it actually distorts the world around you. And Hagar knows this all too well, as her situation is a product of the misshapen desire for family by Abraham and Sarah. She is now in need of the grace of God to bring her back to righteous living. Sarah and Abraham, their not correct desire for a family, to put it nicely, brought Hagar in. And again, she's just thrown into a difficult situation. You know, someone might ask someone like Hagar, well, you know, where do you need to be? Is Abraham really your husband? You know, Abraham's married to Sarah. Abraham and Sarah now have a child. Where does Hagar fit into the picture? And there's really no easy answer to this because this is what sin does. This is what the, the corrupting power of sin does. It gets its grip on the world and it puts people in awful situations which seem to be beyond repair. But yet, the holiness of God does not fall short when it comes to helping his people. Because what is also beautiful about Hagar is she was brought into the covenant of Abraham and Sarah with very little consent on her end. Moreover, all she had to do was be in the presence of God's covenant and she was subject to the holiness of God. Her mere presence in this covenant is enough to put her under the influence of God's transforming and life-giving grace. And that's where we're going to come back to the 21st century for those of us here in the church. As members of the body of Christ, we must realize that salvation is not cheap. It comes to us at a great cost. And coming to know God comes at a great cost as well. God sent his begotten son to suffer and die so that new life could be brought to humanity. And as the church, we should realize that there is a great magnitude to this calling. We are to be instruments in bestowing God's grace. We should never forget that. The life of the church should be sacramental. The church is not meant to just be another place where people go and they gather together and have a nice social event. It's not meant to be a place where you go and have a, a quick emotional release. People can get that other places of the world. And the church is meant to be a unique place where people can come to encounter God's grace. It is God's set-aside instrument for blessing and bringing the gospel to the world around us. And just as Hagar was blessed by merely being in the presence of God's covenant with Abraham and Sarah, even though it was strange and peculiar circumstance that brought her there, she was blessed by this in a very unexpected way. And we as the church, we must realize that when people enter our, enter into our presence, even if they don't know how to ask for God's grace, we need to be 
revealing God's grace to them. The church must bless those in its presence. The church must be a place that is unique from the world and that it provides something that the world cannot, an opportunity to grow in the grace of God. And as people enter into the church, they should find an institution set apart from the world as it can present transforming grace that helps people out of the disorderly side effects of sin and move towards something which is more holy, to move away from the misshapen desires that bring us to situations like Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, and they move us towards something which is ultimately more fulfilling, that which is more righteous, and that which brings us closer to the deep innate desire which God had planted in mankind from the very beginning. You see, it's not so much that God doesn't want us to have desires, it's that God wants us to have the righteous desires, not the misshapen ones. The, the misshapen desires, the ones that are bent in and on ourselves, that are separated from God, they are the things which cause the soul to decay. God wants us to have the correct desires. He wants us to know how to love properly, how to desire to love, how to interact with our fellow man well, and how to even love our own family well. And even when families find that they are misshapen in some way or something has come to cause a fracture and split, God still wants to see reconciliation in those situations. God wants to see a wholesome unity where people are brought back into his presence and they're made complete. God is willing to work in all sorts of situations, and we should never let our minds trick us into thinking, well, my situation has such a fracture that God would never come here. God is always coming to people. He came to Hagar and Ishmael there in the wilderness, and even in strange situations, God is still moving people towards holiness. God is always coming to people and wanting to take them where they're at and transform them by grace into a better place. And the holiness of God, it does wonderful things for the soul. Often our world is just wrapped up in the breaking laws of God and saying that is all sin is. And if we can just get people to atone for that and they can make their, their sacrifice, you know, come to the altar, come get a priest, whatever it may be throughout time, people, they say, well, you've got to do something for these individual circumstances. They fail to see the grand scope by reducing sin down to a simple thing. The very fundamental roots of sin are something which misshaped the soul on a very intimate level. The very hearts and minds of Abraham and Sarah, it wasn't so bad that they wanted family. They should be able to laugh and have children. But their understanding of the family, their decisions that they make leading up to that should be ones that are righteous. And Abraham and Sarah, they desired something which was not really very fulfilling. And as we see from the story, they discard it once they have it. And many in our world do this very thing. For those of you who like Star Trek, there's a pretty interesting episode where Spock, he is talking with another Vulcan, and Spock was set to be engaged and married to this one Vulcan. Things get a little awry, and there's a, a, another man that she would rather have. And in the end of the episode, he tells the, the man who is kind of coming in to take his, his fiance, he says, you will find that having is oftentimes not as satisfying as wanting. And there's a lot of truth to that. People, they have their misshapen desires. They want something, but because it's not the correct desire, when they actually find that they have it, it's not very fulfilling. We look at things like wealth, authority, power. People, they think that they want wealth. They think that they want power. They want these credentials behind their name. They want people to bow down before them. We look throughout history, that doesn't actually make people very happy. Whenever people have a misshapen desire and they act out on it, well, oftentimes this doesn't ever bring satisfaction and the sin nature only grows and people go like predators looking for the next desire that they can live out. Whenever we don't have righteous oriented desires where we're taught to love properly, where we're taught to care for the world around us and to be in the family of God, 
we find that the consequences of sin become very real. And when Hagar is in the presence of God's covenant, she finds herself transformed and given life that she doesn't even know how to ask for. She finds a grace of God which helps bring order to her disorganized life. And ultimately, we as the church, we must be an institution which brings righteous order to a disorganized world. And ultimately, people, they must make a decision as to whether or not they're going to live with God. But when they do, the church should be there to help them grow in grace. Well, that's where we're going to wrap up this message. I want you to spend some time at home praying, thinking about how you are growing in grace. And if you're a part of a local church, and I hope that you are, again, we here at Kingdom of the Logos, we always encourage people to support their local fellowship. You know, be thinking about what can your local church be doing more to bring and bestow the, the grace of God. The church is not an incidental thing in the kingdom of God. It is an instrument in bringing salvation. It's not just random happenstance that God would call the church to be the church, but instead it is truly the body of Christ. Any final thoughts, Anthony, before we close? Nope. All right. With that, if all hearts and minds are clear, we shall be dismissed. Y'all have a blessed day.